Welcome to Two Priests Talking, a podcast where two Anglican priests sit down to talk about our current cultural moment and how we might live as faithful Christians in the midst of it. I'm Father Aaron Wright. I am the rector here at Old North Abbey Anglican Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I am one of Two Priests Talking. Our hope is to bring you conversations about reasonable faith in what seems to be less than reasonable times. And I'm Father Nick Hamilton, the Associate Rector here at Old North Abbey, and we are Two Priests Talking. Well, Father Aaron, welcome back to The Layer. The Layer of Two Priests Talking. We've brought in some foliage today. That's right. Is it foliage or foliage? 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 Is it F O L I? It's no F O I L, F O L. I don't know. Some leaves. I'm not a botanist. Yeah. So I am a zoologist, though. Oh. I'm also not that. Oh. Why do we have leaves in here? Uh, because it's Advent, and we thought we could just make the layer look a little better if we brought in an Advent wreath. I think it worked. It's okay. We didn't light it because. We don't want to waste the candles on two priests talking when they should be used in worship. That's right. But we just thought it would be nice to have something between us. It's like a, it's not between two between ferns. Between two ferns. It's a fern between two priests. That's between two priests. Talk. Uh, maybe we'll change the name and every week we'll have something different between us. <clears throat> Hopefully it's not something that's One day something we'll really between us. W- <laughs> One day we'll have a guest between us, and then it'll be between two priests. Then we need to have Father Clint on, mm-hmm. um, which would be fantastic. We need to have all of our, we need to have all of our parishioners on, every single one of them, just one at a time, one at a time. Just interview them. Tell me about yourself with really awkward questions, like yeah. Galifianakis does. How's the preaching? <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us your honest take on Father Aaron's last homily, please? Oh. You actually gave a great homily this last week. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. One of my favorite things is that uh, Deacon Joy is going to preach this week, mm-hmm. and my in-laws are in town. And it just is one of those magical things where every time my in-laws are in town, Deacon Joy preaches. Mm-hmm. It's And I don't know how it happens. It just always lines up that way. They just think it's her the entire time. Yeah. 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 So, um, and... They have asked if I ever preach, and I say, "Oh, I, yeah, I give homilies pretty regularly." I'm just not going to preach while you're here. Yeah, I just it's too much pressure, right? Too much pressure. Too much pressure. Um, you're wearing uh your jacket. I'm Are you cold? A, no, but it is really rainy outside. Yes, and I just don't feel like taking it off. That's fair. I'm not in a. I mean, if Knoxville's, I love Knoxville. Yeah, but Knoxville is really bad right now. It's since Monday, gray. Sunday, it's just been raining. Yeah. Like nonstop. Yeah. There's just, ugh. I started building an ark in the backyard. Mm. How's that going? It's pretty slow. Mm. Um. <laughs> I just had a bad joke. Uh, I was going to ask if you, if you're building it out of gophers. Mm. Gopher wood though. They're just gophers. Yeah. Like, there's no gopher just wood. Straight up just, gophers. Just gopher pellets. We do have pellets. a lot of a, uh, pelts. Yeah, we do have a lot of a, uh, pellets, ground groundhogs, groundhogs are in our backyard. Yeah, yeah. Do you need Mango to come over? Probably, and teach Rosie how to tear them up. Rosie's been trying to get into one of their dens, mm. and I'm a little bit torn on if I should let my my bougie doodle get down in there and see what happens. Huh. You know, she's so furry though. Sure, it'll if she gets in there, it'll bite her on her face. Yeah. You got to have a face as big as my dog's face to get in there. Mango's face is quite large. His teeth are yeah. amazing. How's Mango liking his girlfriend? You guys have a new family member? She's doing fine. Maggie. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I don't know if she's pregnant or not. I think we got a pregnant dog. <laughs> you think Maggie's pregnant? She could be. Um, we'll see. That would be amazing. No. Because I know how much you love dogs. I know that that would just be what you would want for Christmas is a litter of puppies. No. <laughs> it would not be. 
Um, Father Aaron, the the gray is getting to Father Aaron a little bit, but today we were going to talk about dying to the old self. Mm-hmm. And which this is my old self just coming right back <laughs> up to the surface. It happens, right? Have you experienced the resurrection of my old self? Of again? my old self, you know. Um, human flourishing is actually pretty difficult. Katie and I were having a conversation about. Thanks, Katie, for listening and Brenna for listening. Yeah, um, and for making Thanks this for, yeah, wreath, wreath. Uh, Brenna. We were talking about virtue, which I know you and I have talked about in the past, but we were talking about how difficult it is to grow in virtue, just the, how how um, slow of a process it is and how it's so frustrating sometimes um, because of the fact that we're really good at um, living in our old patterns and habits. Like the resurrection of the old self is a real thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Even thinking about, okay, we've talked about all these different ways that we flourish as human beings. If there's one thing that derails movement toward flourishing, it's moving back into old patterns and habits of life, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think we see that in this, in a lot of secular philosophies, but also, but especially from a Christian worldview, right? Um, we believe that we have been brought from death to life through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we are now to walk, to use Paul's words, in newness of life, mm-hmm. to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. But that's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was when you were saying that, I was thinking about we have a parishioner who's awesome. Um, so many awesome parishioners. No, there's just one, and it's this oh, guy. Yeah. And uh, sorry to the rest of you. <laughs> he was saying he's getting older in life. And he has said to me on numerous occasions, getting old is not for wimps. Hmm. You know, sure. As things begin to break and things become difficult, it's like getting old is not for wimps. And it's like being a Christian and trying to do that authentically, trying to live towards what you believe is a good and holy life, a flourishing life is not for wimps. No, it's really difficult. Um, And even, I mean, we, when we're on a, you and I are on a podcast, we don't really open up much personally too much here. We don't really do it too much with, you know, church on Sundays or things, but we have these moments where I think, when we're honest with one another or those who are really close to us, where we, we, we don't mind opening up and just saying, it's really difficult living a Christian life. And it's really hard. Um, and then, you know, you get the sort of like Christian answer, well, it's not you that does it, but Christ who does it through you. It's like, yeah, I know that. But it's still hard. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was even thinking about that this week. With we had a friend who passed away last week, an old friend, um, and had his funeral on Monday. Dear soul, and just thinking back over some of the stories of life, and just being faithful is difficult, right? And his funeral was amazing, and it was so appropriate that there was this sort of like conclusion of like living a Christian life that was hard. It's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to do that. You know, um, and yeah. we're still in the midst of that and still, you know, working through life, It's which is difficult. And so I don't know if this is going to be like a happy-go-lucky podcast today. <laughs> well, I think, I think that, th- and this would be important to say, if we confuse the idea of human flourishing with being happy and go lucky, we would do a tremendous disservice to people and ease right yeah talked about it with ease but the christian life is one of it's the best decision you can make for yourself today it may not be it may not be like the best decision you can make for yourself today in terms of like how you feel about it 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it, we, it's the best decision that you could ever make, right? Sure. But the question becomes, what's your decision-making matrix, right? Right. If you have a Christian worldview where, and I, and I would say an Orthodox Christian worldview, because I think that to say Christian worldview is complicated, and in the West, I think our understanding of a Christian worldview has been co-opted by some things, uh, um, stolen by some things. Uh, I would even use the word bastardized. Um, it's been made into something other than it truly is. Mm-hmm. And that's challenging because I, and I'll just speak to this right now, because when we talk about um, human flourishing, I do think that we often confuse that with notions of uh, ease, comfort, um, happiness uh and and we think that god wants us to be happy all the time right right that that's his highest good and in fact i just finished reading a little fascinating book um called almost christian that was written in 2010 but the author was exploring um the national study for youth and religion survey that had been conducted in the mid 20 2005 2006 right Hmm. and the end result of that survey was that at that moment in time the majority of teenagers called themselves christians but when they tried to articulate what being a christian meant their number one thought process on what god wanted for them Hmm. was happiness Hmm. this is where uh christian smith and i'm going to forget her name came up with the moralistic therapeutic deism piece Hmm. as they looked at that data so God exists, but his concern for me is rooted in, in, in me being happy right? and living a good life and being nice, being nice to people. Mm-hmm. And I think that as Christians, we sometimes fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, it's a trap in the same way that I feel <laughs> trapped by this microphone, right? Well, you know, we do the same thing. Uh, we, we think of countries and, and we look at their standard of living, or we, we try to have these measurables by which people are living the good life. Right. Um, and that has permeated into particularly Western Christian thought and Western Christian ideas. Totally. Of what it is to truly flourish. And we see this a lot of times within what we would call the sort of the prosperity gospel teachings, where it's like God really wants you to have A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. You know, I was having a conversation with a young lady, this was a while back about her desire to be married and you know she was awesome in that she said you know i've had to learn the hard way that like god doesn't give me all the things i want Mm. yeah you know especially when i want them yeah but i've learned to like trust we came back to that conversation from last podcast is i'm deciding to be faithful and just to ride this out. Yeah. Know? And so um, that's, that's I think, good for us to hear. It's probably good for me to hear today because I'm not in. Uh, yeah. I mean, look at me. You look good. Thanks. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so this idea of human flourishing um, and what is, what is what is human flourishing in terms of what truly is the good life that God calls us to? Yeah. Um, is not what we often think of as the good life. Right. And so today, is it good for me to do the little introduction? Yeah, man. Throw it out there. Yeah. Where are we at? Sure. So today we're talking about the death of self, right, as part of human flourishing. Yeah. That me, myself, my desires, my wants, they really, I need to die to this old self that is mostly concerned with this centripetal motion yeah which is just me yeah um but that our culture right now the way against human flourishing the way that uh i think leads to death is is sort of the this new idea of you be you Mm -hmm. you know you do you yeah find your original self yeah um even um this idea of being born this way there's a Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, this idea of being born this way and it's just how i am 
um, and I'm not even, I'm talking about anything, um, as just an excuse to be like, this is just who I am. It's like, well, you may be wrong. Right. Uh, yeah. You, you um, actually, that may be who you are, but maybe it's not good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I think th there is that element that's difficult um, to navigate in our, as our podcast says, in our current cultural moment. Yeah. And it would be nice to have maybe a reasonable response to what's been taking place, mm -hmm. um, even inside the Christian world. Right. Right. To say, hey, wait a minute. Jesus calls us to die yeah. to ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow him. So let's see what that would look like. Right. And I think that's challenging. I really think it's super challenging, even within the context of the church, because for us, and I want to acknowledge that it's challenging because I don't want it to just come across like, oh, this is simple. You should just get your life together. <laughs> like, um, Because I think within the context of the church, especially for us in the West, we live in a space where um, it's not easy or black and white to say living this way is good and living this way is bad, right? Mm -hmm. I think there are some pieces that are pretty black and white. This is sin. This is not sin. But especially when it comes to uh, issues of the good life, mm -hmm. um, having a home or being a two-car family or what kind of car you drive or what kind of home you have or what you choose to eat and how you choose to um, spend your money on groceries and things like that, those aren't black and white issues in a lot of ways. And because we live in a fairly wealthy society and the church tends to in many ways especially in the u.s i think even demographic studies play this out um, consist of wealthier people there's a question of have we co-opted worldly understandings of the good life in such a way that we're actually blinded to what god might be asking of us and i'm not saying that god's asking you or I or anybody who's watching this podcast, all few of you, uh, to take vows of poverty or anything like that. But I do think that the complication is we are comfortable. So what does it look like to die to self? What does it look like to take up our cross? What does it look like for us to internalize uh, the Beatitudes um, and Jesus' teaching regarding, hey, you know, blessed are the poor. Uh, for this is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, you know, for they will inherit the earth. How do we how do we do those things well? Um, sure, and I would even go. I mean, that is sort of an outward expression of that. I would say that even in I mean, let's take that, a, that wealth is an outward expression of well, that those are sort of. The, I would say that that's sort of the low hanging fruit. How we deal with wealth. With, no, that how we deal with dying to self. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think a lot of times uh, dying to self, um, those are the ones that we can easily see and easily like point out, I think. I think the other ones are much more internal and much deeper within our life. Like we were talking last week about forgiveness. Sure. Am I a person that's just unwilling to forgive? Yeah. Because I don't want to die to sin and die to self? Yeah. Like, I want to hold grudges against people. Yeah. I want to speak poorly about people. I want to manipulate other people to get my way so that I can have what I want now. Mm -hmm. Those are, like, those are the things that are just, I mean, those are in the roots of a tree, you know, that, like, are there. Sure. That are in all of us. Sure. And those are the things that I think, as I get further into my Christian walk. So I've been a Christian now for like 10 minutes. If I get further into that, since we started this podcast, That's right. if I get further into this, Christ this Christian walk, those are the things that I am more and more terrified of hmm. um, that I see within myself. Wait until you've been a Christian for 15 minutes. What happens at 15? Bro. So you've been a, you've been a Christian five minutes longer yeah, than I have. That's right. Amen. Yeah. We'll probably no. have to start over here in a second. But that's it, right? Like, I... There's part of me that um, is really drawn to a 
some people may shut down the podcast, like a Puritan mentality when it comes to this idea of the mortification of the flesh, right? Mm. You think about, which is scriptural, right? But the Puritans really uh, harped on mortification of the flesh. This was just, a, wasn't it Edwards who even wrote a text called Mortification of the Flesh? Um, but there's part of that desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus that is oftentimes written off because what you're articulating, we've got the low hanging fruit and then we've got these deeper pieces of dying to self that are so difficult, mm-hmm. pride, right. um, conceit. And you mentioned even, I want to speak poorly of people or whatever it would be, you know, that pure, sure. that Puritan, uh, even desire to never speak ill of right. anyone. You could look at the seven deadly sins. Sure. And say these are these sort of ingrained, deeper things within the self that, yeah, that are the, the root of all the, the, the lived out expressions of that sin. Sure. Right. Yeah, and those go even, you know, way, way further back, obviously, than sure. the Puritans. Sure. Well, let me ask you this question. Okay, so <clears throat> we're not, we haven't quite articulated it fully yet. But essentially, in order to flourish as humans, we have to die to ourselves every day. You have to die to ourselves. You have to die to sin. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about that paradigm, death to self, right? Uh, and when you think about it contrasted with cultures, you do you, live your best life now mantra that's often out there, how do you feel like you live into taking up your cross best like what are some of and this is an honestly and maybe to the degree you want to be vulnerable or practical you can pick like how does that work for you in your day-to-day life what is living in such a way that you are dying to yourself look like whether it's in your relationship with brenna or your kids or your parishioners Mm -hmm. Or your folks who live here in town. Sure. Or your brother who, you know, is just... He doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, he might start if we start talking about him. Jordan, we're talking about you. Mm, What a guy. He is a good guy. I don't know. Okay. Um, That may be just like an unawareness. I think... uh, Well, let me say this about you. And then... Maybe that'll help trigger your your thoughts. Sure. You are one of the more selfless people I know to begin with. I'm say, not saying say more. I'm not, <laughs> I'm I'm not saying this to like toot your horn. I'm not saying yeah. this to build you up because your head's ginormous, right? I know by hat size. Right? Yeah. No, actually you have a normal size head. I think I think it's a little my brother has a really, really huge Jordan, we're looking at you again. Um but you are a selfless individual. You are a servant. You do naturally look for ways to serve others more so than I would even say I do. Okay. So, um, not that comparison's ever all that great, but that's a natural piece of who you are. And I don't know where that comes from, um, other than Jesus. Right. And probably some of how you grew up, but like, because some of it's natural, it might be harder for you to answer the question. But well, I, I think there's also, you also have to, um, like if I hear something like that, right, about myself, where it's like, you're really selfless. It's like, yeah, there's probably times in my life where I'm selfless, but also we have to be really careful that even our, our selfless actions or our selfless posture isn't in some way self-serving. Well, that's where I was going next. <laughs> Go ahead. But unpack but that. But it can I... be because we have to think about our intentions. And this is the death to self. Right. Right. Sometimes we're, I mean, sin is so ingrained in us. Yeah. Right? It's so deep down in our lives that we don't realize that sometimes the things we do, even out of a good desire, can really be self-serving. Uh, we can do things with the intent of receiving uh, praise even if not from somebody else, just in order for us to be like internally. Yeah. You know, 
And so I think, um, I know you've been really selfless for the last couple of years, just waiting for this moment on the podcast. I've been selfless just even doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I mean, today, I think we're probably hitting on something we've never really hit on in the podcast before, which is sort of this deep inner peace. We're usually talking about some things on the peripheral. Um, but I think it's, I, 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 I think knowing, I mean, I, so I preached on this a while ago, maybe a few years ago when we preached on James. Okay. And I remember talking about how we always hear in our own society, our own, our own culture, sometimes you have to look into the mirror, right? And I said, don't look in the mirror. Hmm. Like, it's deceptive. Sure. You look in the mirror, you, you know, you're going to see what you want to see because you're looking back at yourself in some ways. Sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes we do. But what we're seeing is probably not a realistic understanding of who we are. Like, if you look at a, a video of yourself, this is interesting. If you look at a video of yourself, which is not you looking at yourself, it's coming from a camera. You look awkward because you're used to seeing yourself in the flipped way in a mirror. Hmm. You ever notice that? Or you're just like perfectly symmetrical. Sure. Yeah, because your face on. Yeah, like your hair part and everything is yeah. different when you see yourself on video versus right. a mirror. A mirror is like a manipulated version of you. Sure. And so, but if we but if we hold Christ as the standard before us and not ourselves, if we look into him mm -hmm. and not a mirror image of ourselves mm -hmm. in our life, A, we'll, we'll never live up to that, but there is this way of really seeing the selflessness, the true selflessness of Jesus um, can only do something but to chisel away at those pieces in our own lives. Mm. And this dying to self, this dying to these desires, and I think honestly, too, um, you know, there's, n I, we, we had this sort of looking at it from the perspective of uh, what, what we're doing is the death of the old self, and then we're talking about this idea of you do you and all these sort of self-help, these things about us. But those are never in the context of other people. It's always about me in, like looking at my own life. But if we look at, I think, the true message of the gospel is that Jesus speaks into our life, and then the, the church as Christ's body speaks into my life. Like, I need people to sort of tell me who I am. Mm. and tell me the edges in my life that need to be put to death because mm -hmm. um, I can't do that on my own. Right. So it's really encouraging to hear you say you're selfless, but you don't always say the nicest things to sure. me. You, you're honest about things that, and Brennan was talking with me about that just the other day. She said, I think you and Nick are good for each other because like you guys can say, you know, I hope there's so. A, there's a shaping. Yeah. Like, you well, know, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. Like, if it was just left up to me to figure out what dying to myself looked like, I wouldn't get very far. Mm -hmm. Because, like you said, my own view of myself is not the same as the perspective you have or that my wife has or that my kids have, right? <clears throat> or even some other friends. I think, uh, I forget who said, uh, true friends stab you in the front. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's that's a really... Caesar, <laughs> I don't know. Et tu brutis. Uh, but I think that that's like a really important distinction, especially within the body of Christ. True friends stab you in the front. They don't just uh, wield a flattering tongue. Sure. Um, and so we do need the body of Christ. We do need the people that God puts us in community with in order to understand where it is that we're failing to put to death the old self. Um, and, I, and I think that sometimes it happens in ways that we don't like, right? I think from the perspective of a priest, we often fail our parishioners, right? And we've talked about this on the podcast before, but this idea of, oh, people love Old North Abbey. 
but Old North Abbey is going to fail them. And not only is Old North Abbey going to fail them more broadly, but I will fail people as a priest. And in that moment, I have to trust that the Lord has not failed them, right? Mm-hmm. And that his uh, care for them is still secure, but that the Lord has not failed me either. And that he intends in my failing to others to put something to death in me so that the next time I might not fail that parishioner in the same way or a different parishioner in the same way. Mm -hmm. But I have to be careful not to let my pride in that moment get the best of me, argue, oh, I didn't fail this parishioner or make some justification for how I engaged with the situation Mm -hmm. rather than like listening to God Mm -hmm. or listening to you as you say, hey, maybe you could have handled it this way. You know, like there's all sorts of ways that we could justify ourselves or we could say God is at work putting my old self to death, right? So that I can walk in newness of life, right? He was faithful to me to bring me through the waters of baptism. I have been dead in Christ and made alive in Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So how am I to live? Right. Um, And it works, and and I think that's good because I think it works the other way around too. I mean, I, I was thinking, when you were saying that, I was thinking of a story. You were present for both of these instances we had a christmas party like five or six years ago okay we were all eating together in this one room about a, around a huge big square table um and the question of the topic of the day was go around and talk about your enneagram number okay do you remember this i don't know that i do okay remind me my memory okay. it'll be jogged so we were going around the table and everybody was talking about their enneagram number and everybody was talking about themselves and then they would find somebody who was their number and they would talk and they'd be like, oh yeah. And, you're, and I'm like, and me, and me, and me, and me, and me, and yeah, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I. Yeah. And then it was two weeks later, we had a birthday party. Yeah. And uh, we were at a couple's house. They yep. were at that event as well. That's right. And the wife said, I'd like for everybody to go around and say something about her husband. Mm-hmm. And, and and say something that you see in him, mm-hmm. right? And the difference between the self being the forefront of, oops, the forefront of the conversation at the Christmas dinner right? versus somebody else right? and people speaking into their life, the, I, the, it was like tangible the difference in spirit for me personally, mm-hmm. as I was watching that going, this is what it's about. Right. Right. And it was somewhat uncomfortable for him. Very uncomfortable. Because people were saying things that were really meaningful about that individual. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people love this guy. He's sure. a good dude. Yeah. Um, and I think it works the other way too. Yeah. Right. We can deceive ourselves as to who we are. Mm-hmm. We do it all the time. Sure. You know, uh, we're constantly doing it. Preached on it this week. Like we're constantly hiding ourselves and right. covering ourselves. We don't want to be known. We don't want God to see us. Right. Shame. Right. Shame. And all of those things. And then but we need other people to be able to go, hey, you know, uh, this is not thriving for you. This is not flourishing. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about You may think you're on your way to living your best life, but sure. you're actually not. Sure. Yeah, I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast or not. I know I've shared it from the pulpit. I keep messing with my headphones. Ah, technology. Have you ever shared it? Have we you shared looks, it with me before? We look so cool. Yeah, I think so. I okay, think so. I'm just going to... You're going to take a nap quick? Um, <laughs> no, I had a dream probably a decade ago, uh, and I don't remember a lot of my dreams, which is one of the interesting parts about this dream, but it was a super vivid dream where kind of overcast like it is now. It was dusk, and there was a guy standing beside a grave right Mm -hmm. and it was an open grave and it was almost like the camera came from behind this person up and over the grave and then looked into the grave and i was lying dead in the bottom of this grave Mm -hmm. have i told you this before i feel like i have but no i would remember this i was lying dead in the bottom of this grave and the person who was standing beside the grave bent over and was trying to pull me out of the grave. And then the camera panned further in front, and I saw that it was me trying to drag myself out of the grave. Hmm. And then another figure showed up and kind of pulled the living me away 
from the dead me and turned me and walked me away from that grave. And I couldn't see that person's face, but there was a tangible sense of, oh, this is Christ, and mm. he's turning me away hmm. from this old self. Hmm. But it was almost like a fight. Hmm. I didn't want to leave my dead and dying self in that grave. Hmm. Um, and I and I think that, that I've been so thankful for that dream because I felt like it was a gift from the Lord. Um, but I think that that's part of what we wrestle with to some degree or another. And it could be that we wrestle with that in different ways. One is we feel so much shame about who we are that we don't trust that God actually has a newness of life for us to walk in. Hmm. That we're just going to be stuck in these habits and patterns and sins yeah. that we've lived in for so long, right? So that's one way to look at it. And the, the other is... Um, to just really feel like we've nailed it already, right? That we've left that dead self behind, and so we're ignorant of the sin that still has to be dealt with in our lives. There's probably other ways, but I feel like those are the two predominant ones I encounter in myself on occasion, but also in chatting with parishioners. The shame, there's no way God's going to ever free me from the old self, right? It's too ingrained in who I am. So that's the shame piece. And then the other is, I don't really see that old self in me anymore. And it's it's not that they don't acknowledge sin pieces, but they feel like they've got some things together and they're on a pretty good track. Uh, and so walking in newness of life is something that they feel like they're firing on all cylinders. Mm. And that's when you need the body of Christ to hold up a view of yourself in both instances, right? Like one to say, yeah, I get that you feel shame about that sin in your life, but let me tell you the truth about what Christ has done for you. Mm-hmm. Or I get that you feel like you're firing on all cylinders. Can I hold a mirror up to you right now? Because this is how I'm experiencing you in this moment. Sure. And both are both are good things, right? One tends to be freeing in that, oh, yeah, God has really freed me from my old self, and I've not been trusting him to help me out. And the other is, oh, God has freed me from my old self, but I'm really living in some old ways and I've been ignorant of it. Um, I I think, you know, especially as men, we, we deal and women, there's, there's no difference. We just deal with these things differently in some ways. Uh, Dealing with so many guys who have struggled with pornography over the years, so much shame about that. Like how can I ever be free of this old me? Right. And to the point where I know I'm talking a lot here, to the point where people have actually doubted whether Christ has made them new. Sure. Where they've doubted 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. Um, And where guys have been angry at God because Mm -hmm. of that. I know I've wrestled with that even in different stages of my life. God, how come you won't help me live in the newness of life? You know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and so the, the, there's there's different. That, that's funny because I think there's there's different responses. The response that, that you're mentioning is one that is at least wrestling with the knowledge of an old self and a new self, and is trying to figure that out. Um, the other one is to continue to hide. Yeah, which is what we see in the garden. Is what we see in in that story of just going to cover myself and just kind of ho- stick my head. Hope it does. Just hope it goes away. Sure. Like I'm going to hide. I don't want to be seen. And maybe, just maybe, um, that's an, that's another interesting response. This is sort of the what I would call the overarching human response that we see. Yeah. Is this? We do hide. We are ashamed. We do hide. We hope that like. <laughs> what what does the hiding look like? Now. S- s- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, Adam and Eve cover themselves with fig leaves, right? Inadequate clothing, but how do we hide? And who are we hiding from? We're hiding from ourselves in some ways, I think. And we're hiding from God. No, yeah, I think Adam and Eve in that story are ashamed that they are naked Mm -hmm. in front of God. They're also ashamed that they're naked in front of one another. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really a... Hiding from God, hiding from others. Yeah, it's really a microcosm of of humanity's just disconnectedness from one another. Sure. I don't trust you. You don't trust me. I think I look funny to you. You maybe look funny to me for the first time. I'm going to... And that's sin, right, that, that, that divides us over a shameful thing. Like, we've, we know we're sinful. It's the power of confession. Once we just, we just confess, like, I, 
I'm sinful, you're sinful. Hey, look, we're two sinners. Hey, we're two sinners. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yay. Um, I think we hide now through, I mean, look, I mean, if that's the direction we want to go, which I think is, is pretty interesting, um, we're hiding by busying ourselves with ourselves. Okay. Right. We are making now more elaborate clothing for ourselves. We're not just sewing something together in a panic because we're ashamed. We're actually embracing the covering of ourselves. Um, not even in shame, but like this is our best self now. Huh. Like I, like the, I'm so happy. Life, like man, life is good right now. I can look at how much I can cover myself up. That's it's an intriguing thing. Like I can, I can give myself. All of the things that culture says I should have. I can have all the things that culture says I have. Still miserable. If, sure. you, if you pull it all away, I'm still going to be miserable. Sure. But this is the best life now. Right? That's really interesting. And we're I, really I think, good at it. We're, we're, yeah, no, 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 no. We're really good like, at it. I see it that way. Like, like look, look at what I have. Look at, I, I feel this. Okay? Don't look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at all the things around me. Right, yeah. I, f- I feel that way. My career, uh, all the things. Even, and I shared this in a homily two weeks ago, right? Like, when we prepare to have guests over, we clean. Yeah. We get the house. Ha- this is just how we work. It's like a little bit OCD. And some of it, I admitted, is because we want to present a particular image to the world that comes into our doors, right? We've got it together. Look at the Hamiltons. Well, no, but you said something I thought was even more interesting than that. Yeah, go ahead. You said, and it stuck with me, you said it's because it's what we hope or we wish we were. Well, and I think that that's true, too. I think that's the good part of it, right? Right. Like, that's, we're longing to live into this newness of life, right? Not saying a clean house and everything is newness of life. But we have a sense of who we're meant to be and how we're meant to live, Mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes we practice. We practice doing what we know we ought to do so that hopefully we do that thing naturally in the future. And I think that's true. I think that's part of living in a newness of life. Even thinking about Paul's language in Romans, uh, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. So how do I do that? I have to practice living as somebody who's alive to God and dead to sin, which means when the temptation to sin comes, I say, no, I no longer do that. I can't do it anymore. I lived to God. Sure. Now, we sometimes drag our old self out of the grave and say, crud. Then we have to repent and come back to it. But I think that's like Paul's whole dynamic there is so much of it's rooted in an understanding of who God has now made us and how we now ought to live. Not just projecting an image of how we think we ought to live. Right. Which is hiding. That's hiding. We actually have to now live into it which is the hard part mm-hmm. um, because I could get the nicest house and the nicest neighborhood, which I think I already have. Um, you know, like I feel really blessed by what God's given to us, but that could all just be image. And I could be a, a person of no character and no depth. Sure. God could not be more distant from me. And yet from the outside, it looks like even as a priest, Nick's got it all together. You know, I was going to say, it's really hard for, it's hard for everybody. And it's not harder than it, but it, it is hard as a priest. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and I'll tell you who I think it's really hard for, too. And I say this with, um, I think it's hard for our kids. Yeah. You know, because there's this added pressure of, of, uh. That's hard. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Keep There's this it. added pressure of, like. I've got to hold up this sort of idealized reality. And I hope that as priests, you and I, as fathers in the faith and fathers of our homes and our kids, like, don't impose that, like, on them. I mean, we, yeah. we were having a conversation with our kids this morning. Um, we were all in the living room this morning, and... I said, hey, guys, I know you know this, but you know that your mom and I, these are my words exactly, because it was this morning, don't have it figured out yet, right? 
and I and I just we I, I was talking about this very thing with them because of the conversations Katie and I had been having yesterday just about what how hard it is to grow in virtue and I was like it's part of why we ask for your forgiveness so often and they were all kind of like they were engaged a little bit like yeah dad we get yeah it. we get it we but, know you suck sometimes <laughs> but I think it's really difficult because the eyes of the parish are not just on you and I, but on our families as well. Sure. Um, and so this is why I was talking, you know, I, I interrupted you. Yeah, no, no, no. The importance of sitting with our family sometimes. Sure, yeah. It's so important. Like it's good Sunday. for me, yeah. I need to sit with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was so fun to sit with my family second service and go up for Eucharist with them and receive the bread and the wine. Sure. Um, yeah, so... All of this, though, is difficult, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And yes, and it's difficult because as a society, we've moved away from even uh, from even desiring virtue, right? And moving more towards just desiring the thing that numbs us or covers us. Uh, all of the all of the stuff pushes us to sort of. I don't even know if it's to give us pleasure anymore if it is just to numb us from who we really truly know we are anyway yeah yeah i think yeah i think that well and i think that this is one of the interesting things that i was watching the a podcast with joe rogan and matt walsh a while ago and they started talking about marriage and it was so fascinating because they were at such cross purposes with each other. They couldn't even have a conversation about it because essentially Joe Rogan is a hedonist, right? For him, the telos of humanity is to enjoy life here and now, however that comes about, right? Sure. Matt Walsh as a Roman Catholic guy, uh, his telos, I would assume if he was able to articulate it, which he didn't in that show would be to live as a Christian, right? And, as Christians, in particular for you and I in an Anglican tradition, living Christianly is dying to self, right? It's loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's what it looks like. That's our telos, our goal. God created us for a purpose, and as a result, our purpose determines how we live, right? Design determines purpose. Design determines how we ought to live. But for the rest of the world, I think you're right. Right now, we live in a space where there's no telos for humanity. So virtue doesn't matter. Growing in character and love doesn't matter, um, except for what it offers you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I know that I was, at the, I was at the funeral on Monday, and you listened to it online. You had stuff going on here. Um, and, and even... Um, when Chris was speaking, Father Chris was speaking, he 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 brought this point up because um, our friend who passed had an option to to not work for a while. Hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And he said, "What would I? What would I be? What would I be teaching my kids?" What would I be teaching my parish? What would I be teaching my friends and my wife? What would I be communicating with my life um, that when it gets difficult and things are really hard and I'm really sick, that I just do things that I quote unquote enjoy? Yeah. What, why would I not live towards those things? Um, hmm. I'm literally dying, right? But I can still, in the midst of that, die to myself and bear much fruit, mm-hmm. you know? And I go, so there you go. There's a huge difference. And it's funny, too, because even if you speak of Joe Rogan, what he doesn't realize is he's making a podcast so that when he dies, there's actually something that lives beyond him. Mm. He's trying to do it. Yeah, he may not think that way. Maybe he's just thinking this is for the here and now. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. I, he, he may not. But Joe, you're welcome to come on our podcast anytime. <laughs> we are the Joe Rogan. <laughs> or or we'd, we'd be happy to show up at... Uh, the Joe Rogan experience, you know, but, but he's, he's actually, he's living differently than what maybe he would say. I don't know. 
because I don't know him, but but he's yeah he's he's trying to form a a way of life and a rule of life that is bigger than him. Oh sure. Yeah yeah. So it, I think that's interesting. Um, you know so but I think culturally speaking, um, right now where we're at, like we've said, is that you know we have what we have written on the board is like choose your own adventure. Yeah, the world tells you, you to choose you. your own adventure. Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, and you see this with even parents. I mean, I have someone who's decently close to me, family member, who said that she never wants to hear her kids hear her say no. Hmm. It's like, what? To a request or? Yeah. Yeah. I say no and to she, my kids all the time. And she wants them to have their best life. She wants them to be able to get the things that they want and have all the things that they can have. It's like, we're not made for that. Mm-mm. Like, that'll destroy us, mm-hmm. you know? That's um, what Ecclesiastes shows, right? In so sure. many ways. It's what five minutes at the grocery store shows. Oof. You, yeah, I want that. Here's your Snicker bar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not good for us. Um, Snickers is a good candy bar. I mean, it's probably my favorite candy bar actually it's actually probably i mean well i'm more of a peanut butter guy yeah but you, you like peanuts also they're okay i would probably pick a reese's peanut butter cup over yeah, oh, you remember the old nutrageous what happened to those yeah the nutrageous bars uh i also kind of like the one that's just caramel and peanuts i can't think Is of that that payday one. yeah Eesh. yeah i don't like caramel oh yeah that's fair if you don't like caramel then you wouldn't like payday i don't understand caramel um, I think, and I think that this is probably one of the really important things to articulate as we get close to the end of this thing. I think Paul, almost 2,000 years ago, was way ahead of the curve when it came to living the abundant life, right? Science is starting to play out especially neuroscience is starting to play out the things that Paul was talking about in regards to renewing the mind mm-hmm. and not being conformed to the patterns of this world. I think, you know, the telos of Christianity, right? After Paul goes through this, I'm thinking about Romans 12, one and two, after Paul goes through this amazing 11 chapters articulating the beauty of the gospel, right? He gets down into the kind of the nitty gritty of what does it look like for us to live now as a result of this, to die to self. And he, he says it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your act of worship, your spiritual worship. How do you do this? Do not be conformed to this world, right? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what he's been talking about in Romans 5 and Romans 6 and Romans 7. We consider ourselves dead to sin because we are, as a result of what Christ has done, and alive to God in Christ. And so we transform our minds because of the transformation that's already taken place, right? Ontologically, you are a different person now than you were before you went through the waters of baptism. Same is true for me. We are different people. Now the question is, will we, through discipline, empowered by the Holy Spirit, live into the reality of who we are? Or will we continue to reach into the grave, try and drag our old self back out, weekend at Bernie style, right? Like sure, throwing our dead self around our shoulders and having a party. Um. Yeah, and I think discipline, I mean, that's an interesting thing. It's like, it, I think it's discipline. I think it's also, um, it's worship. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the spirit. Yeah. And there's a new reality. Yeah. Um, so it's discipline, it's spirit. It's also uh, entrusting our lives to something outside of ourselves, namely Christ and God. But it's also the church. Yeah. And allowing the church to speak in. Like, I can be as disciplined as I want to be. And still fail because I don't have, I have so many blind spots. And I have to be empowered by something outside of myself. Mm-hmm. And then I also have to be uh, placed in check and have 
those who are outside of me be able to to, to sort of speak into me. Oh. And that's the sort of, that's the, the, the sort of, is that, a, is that an oxymoron of a living sacrifice, like something that is dead, but now it's living, mm-hmm. um, that Paul's calling us to. Paradox. Is, yeah, paradox. Well, I have oxymoron. Yeah, yeah. My words are off today. No, but that's good. But there is that, there's that beauty there where we go, this is not a normal sacrifice that is dead. This is something that is brought to life. Yes. And so it's a living thing, which is what I would call human flourishing. Mm. Right? Mm. It is this thing that now is made alive. And the thing is, is this. It's like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Sure. I don't, I don't have a full grasp of that in my life. I, I, one day I think I will in, in a different reality. But it's not something you can explain to somebody. Right? I mean, we're trying to in a podcast, but part of that is like there's a realization that this is something that must be uh, walked into to know what it to what to what it is to sort of say no to the things that I want to do and then have God birth something new in you. Yeah. And you you go, okay, I feel like something happened in that to me. I'm, I feel like I'm I am constantly being morphed and, and, and changed into something new one degree of glory to the next right where the yeah. things that the world is telling me are just not they're becoming less and less attractive mm-hmm. over time mm-hmm. like because you're you're being shaped and formed into I hope so who you are intended to be sure we are god willing becoming more like him and less like our old self um but there's some days that we do want to drag that right that old self out of the grave, right? Yeah. And put it back on again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That feels a little bit better. Sure. I'm a little more comfortable in this skin. I know how to operate and function. It's very silence of the lambsy of you. But yes. That was weird. <laughs> but we do. We want to put that old self back on because it, it is comforting. Yeah. Because we know how to work it. Yeah. No, th- there's there's truth to that. Um I, I, have you read much George MacDonald? Not much. I haven't either. I just read uh, The Princess and Curdy to my kids because the boys had it for a book club read. And there's this scene in there where this princess, she's, an, she's a spiritual character in the book. She's an older, she's died, but she's still alive. She's still around, right? And she's the great-great-grandmother of the current princess. And... Uh, at one point, she's called this minor boy, Curdy, to him, to herself, right? And she has a job for him to do. And essentially, she, the job she has is to rescue the king and the princess from the grasps of evil townspeople. But what she does in order to get him ready for this job is she starts this fire. She starts a big fire, and it's full of roses. And so the fire smells like roses, and it smells beautiful, but it's hot. And she tells Curdy to stick his hand into the fire and to not draw it out until she tells him to. So he does, and it's, you know, it's agonizing. And she's crying as she watches Curdy faithfully put his hand into this fire. But when he draws his hand out, all of his kind of old skin is gone. He can see this new layer of perfectly white, non-marred-by-work-and-weather skin under there. And the gift that he now has as a result is any hand of another human being he shakes, he'll be able to tell what kind of creature that person truly is underneath. Mm. And it's an interesting picture. It's a great book. I really enjoyed it. But I loved the kind of parallel to a living sacrifice there. Mm -hmm. In order for Curdy to fulfill his telos, his purpose in life, some of his old self had to be burned away in order for him to live into this new work. And it's a it's it's not a perfect metaphor, it's not a perfect parallel, but that's really part of what Christ is asking us to do. Mm-hmm. His fire refines us perfectly. Mm-hmm. So we have to step into it. We can't continue to avoid it because it might be painful. We can't continue to avoid it because we like the old way of living and if we're honest, we like the old way of living a lot of the time. Some of how we used to live is really attractive. Sure. It's the, um, I get to do a little thing with a book 
<laughs> it's uh, it it really it's the Chronicles of Narnia. It's uh, the okay. Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe with Edmund. Is it yeah. Edmund, who is uh, his old self is enamored with Turkish delight. That's right. With the best thing now, with power, with glory, with the beauty of the White Witch. The White Witch being over against his siblings, mm-hmm. and he's only concerned with those things. And it seems like the good life, and it seems like the thing. But like she promises him power, right? Yeah. But he's enslaved mm. eventually by those things and by her. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny because even this even takes place a little bit with the other kiddos as they're given these gifts of like a sword and a shield and yeah, from Father Christmas. Yeah, they don't Saint know Nicholas. how to use them. Yeah, there's a growing up to do that they'll be called in to use them. But but Edmund is different in that he has to go through the fires of enslavement and he has to put that old person to death. And the thing that puts that old person to death is actually Aslan who puts, who allows himself to be put to death Mm. on behalf. And then he's raised to new life in Aslan. Yeah. In Aslan's reality that allows him then to, to, uh, to die to that old way, to see things truthfully for Mm -hmm. what they are and then begin to take up his own sword yeah. and fight alongside Aslan. Um, but it, it takes that enslavement and death, yeah. which is not necessarily our own, mm. uh, but it's Christ who becomes human for us, dies for us as a human. So we place our humanity into him, into his humanity. It's put to death in the cross, and therefore we're given new life. And now we can see the world hopefully better, we can start living towards the new reality of Christ in our own life and in the world. But that is a daily, yeah. what Paul is saying, that's a daily thing. Daily sacrifice. Yeah. 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 And we've said it before. We have to choose each new morning to be a Christian. We have to choose each new morning to die to self, to live to others, and to live to Christ. I think, you know, that's the challenge of walking faithfully for the long haul you know i I think about we were in philippians with father clint the the paradox that's there even you know uh paul says therefore my beloved children um as you've always obeyed so now not only as in my presence but much more much more in my absence work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That kind of parallel of, okay, we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but God is the one who's working mm-hmm. in us, both to will so that we have the desire to walk in newness of life and to work. I think about the end of Thessalonians even. He says, God is faithful. He is the one who will bring it to completion. So, um, you got to go. What time is it? 2.45. I got to get going. Well, thanks be to God. I think we're about done. You got to go pick up your kids? I do. This was a better we, podcast than I thought it was going to be. We got there. We did it. We got there. Let me read a prayer for us. Um, and then we'll go from there. This is for a virtuous heart, which I'm sure we've prayed before. But Last week. Did we? It's yeah. perfect. I'll pray for union with Christ then. Those were the two no, that I was... pray for a virtuous heart. It, fe- it feels like it fits, you know? I want us to come back to this and unpack this from a practical perspective. I think it would be helpful. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. What like, are the practicalities? What are the things that we should be looking for that are dangerous? I would love to do that. I think that would be a good one. Maybe we could do it next week. Um, well, let me pray. Let me pray this prayer. <laughs> Just kidding. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Permit me not to be separated from you. From the wicked foe defend me. In the hour of our death call us. 
and bid us to come to you with all your saints, that we might praise you forever and ever. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father Aaron. It was a good time. It was good. We'll see you guys next week. See you now that we're on video. Feel free to like, subscribe, do all the things, and we'll catch you soon.